don't go in the woods! Which is not good advice. We're going to church! <laughs> Stop talking to these lunatics. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that had to ring twice. Twice. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. What a grotesque announcement. Whoa, whoa. This is hardly an announcement. We've been using the same sign-on <laughs> for like a year and a half at the very least. That's true. But, you know, I hadn't listened until now. Well, Tom, <laughs> you better buckle your ears on because we have a lot of talking to do. Oh, my. I know. Well, they're buckled. It's very exciting. We're finally talking about uh, Morris. That's right. The Not Maurice. Not Maurice. As we have always assumed. But, you know, our cousins are so polite, they never correct us. <laughs> That's true. When we're making complete pronunciation asses of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You guys can feel totally empowered to correct us, because we hate sounding the fool. We do. We do. To be fair, perhaps people are correcting us in scathing iTunes reviews. Which we're not reading. Yeah. I mean, so. feel free to keep doing them. Oh, yeah. Our like, delicate emotional constitution <laughs> simply cannot handle. Yes, we would swoon. We would indeed. Uh, yes, but we really liked Morris. We did. It's one of our favorite non-Downton Abbey things that we have covered for this podcast. That's really true. Which was kind of surprising, mm-hmm. considering how much we hated A Room with the View. We were not fans. We were super not fans. Yeah. Uh, I can only assume... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes. Uh, before we get into that... Uh, we are going to announce our cousin of the week. That's right. Uh, we have some other letters, which we will get back to you in due course, cousins. <laughs> uh, but this is rather a long letter and wanted to make sure and give it its due. It's from Cousin Charles, and he writes, Hi, cousins Kelly and Tom. Please do not read this email if you have not yet finished Titanic bullshit. I mean, Titanic blood and steel. <laughs> Damn autocorrect. You know what? Let's just meet in the middle and call it Titanic BS. Now... I would like you to imagine that we live in a world where Titanic BS was a huge international phenomenon on a scale of Twilight, Avatar, or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. A united army of tweens, cougars, and men in touch with their feelings has come together and demanded that the nations of Italy and Ireland produce a $500 million sequel entitled Titanic. Even more bullshit. Autocorrect again. I mean, Titanic. Even more blood and steel. (laughs) But what would the plot be for such a potential masterpiece? For starters, Connor didn't die. He survived the shooting, escaped, and is being sent by the IRA to America on a secret mission, which is never fully explained in the script. (laughs) As a result, Violetta must choose between her loving, caring, and responsible husband, Michael, and his unreliable, irresponsible, violent, insensitive, neglectful, and assholic brother. (laughs) Michael is so screwed! Meanwhile, Marcus somehow found out his daughter is aboard Titanic, and as the result, totally neglects his girlfriend Sophia as he searches the ship from top to bottom for his offspring. Basically the same thing that happened in the last few episodes of Titanic BS. Feeling neglected, Sophia seeks comfort in the arms of Kitty, but little does she know, Kitty has an agenda of her own. <gasps> in the final plotline of this sure-to-be epic film, Nev Campbell... I fucks a tall, dark, and handsome stranger she meets in the ship's bar. After swimming naked in his deep blue eyes, he introduces himself. This stranger is James Crawley, the heir presumptive to the Earl of Grantham. <laughs> so I know you're asking, who lives and who dies? 
Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but Andrea dies two minutes after the Titanic hits the iceberg. There is nothing romantic, artistic, or symbolic about his death. (laughs) It's just that I can't think of anything remotely interesting Andrea could do in Titanic, even more BS. After dumping Michael and reuniting with Connor, Violetta spends nearly every waking moment trying to have sex with him. (laughs) Unfortunately, every time they try to copulate, the baby starts crying. Desperate for some alone time with her long-lost lover, Violetta asks her ever-faithful husband, Michael, to babysit. Then, just as they are about to do more than just eye fuck, the Titanic hits an iceberg. An hour later, Violetta sacrifices herself by offering Connor her place in the life raft, which he graciously accepts. <laughs> Connor then changes his name to Eamon de Valera and later becomes president of Ireland. <laughs> Michael and the baby are more fortunate than the doomed Violetta. They escape Titanic on one of the last lifeboats and arrive in America three days later. Eventually, they make it to Illinois, where Michael changes their name, remarries, and raises Violetta's baby as his own son. About 20 years later, Violetta's now-grown son moves to Hollywood and becomes a modestly successful film actor. He then later goes on to become the 40th president of the United States. (laughs) A few hours before the Titanic hits the iceberg, Sophia and Kitty are making love when it is dramatically revealed that Kitty has been the instigator of all Mark and Sophia's problems. <laughs> Through a sea of tears and eye-fucking, Kitty explains her extremely complex actions to separate Mark and Sophia forever in order to snag Mark on the rebound. Perhaps the director could insert a re- dramatic montage of ridiculous flashbacks as Kitty speaks. Then, in order to make this scene even more incoherent, Kitty reveals that she no longer loves Mark and wants to marry Sophia in her heart, since real gay marriage is not allowed in 1912. Having none of this, a furious Sophia storms out in search of Mark, but when she finds him, she is immediately dumped for the adoptive mother of his biological child. At this point, Mark does not yet know that the child is his daughter. That comes later, as the three struggle for life in the bowels of a sinking Titanic. They, of course, somehow escape, make it to New York, change their name to Oppenheimer, because, let's face it, the evil Protestants from Titanic BS are so going to make him the scapegoat for the sinking, and live happily ever after. Mark then later goes on to build the world's first nuclear bomb. (laughs) Sophia has several adventures of her own, but ultimately fails to get on a lifeboat. As she is freezing to death in the frigid North Atlantic, Kitty comes paddling up atop a floating table. Having more generosity for the person whom she loves than Kate Winslet did, Kitty allows Sophia aboard. She doesn't let go. They are soon rescued by the actor who played Horatio Hornblower. And finally, about six hours before the Titanic hits the iceberg, Nev Campbell and James Crawley are strolling along the deck when they come upon the spot where Leo and Kate are hanging over the bow of the ship and flying. Thinking that this looks like fun, they step up for their turn. Unfortunately, the ship then hits a large wave, and Nev Campbell and James Crawley go falling to their deaths. Your devoted cousin, Charles. (laughs) Um, Well, that is one of my favorite telegrams (laughs) ever. I I was a fan. It's phenomenal. Yes. Question, though. So James was the dad and Patrick was the son, right? Yes. I forget how that was all supposed to work. <laughs> right. As this, do I. You know, so many dead uh, Turkish diplomats. Right. Well, and I mean, look, that happened before the first episode. Like That's true. It's, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all those crawlies look alike, really. They really do. <laughs> Except for fake Patrick. Well... <laughs> He just looks Canadian. <laughs> he does. 
Uh, yeah, so thank you, Cousin Charles. That was just delightful. Yes. And I will... I will think of that any time that I feel sad that we spent so much time <laughs> and effort on Titanic Blood and Steel. No, I, I like that. I, I like uh, just sort of that's that's a little bow on the the Titanic yeah, BS experience. Agreed. There. Yeah. So you know, hey, there was a silver lining, everybody. <laughs> that's right. And uh, without further ado, let's jump right on into Morris. All right, uh, which opens. Well, it picks up right where Mary Poppins left off. <laughs> With some gay-ass kites. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are a bunch of kids flying kites uh, in the bleak British countryside. Um, Anytime people are like, you know, I just want to get away from it all in England. Like, Let's go to the seashore. <laughs> I just imagine they get there and they're like, ooh, I'd rather be where it all is. <laughs> yeah. So this is why we invented London. <laughs> Uh, over top of this, uh, idyllic question yes. mark scene mm-hmm. was the cast list scrolling by and we knew next to nothing about who yeah. was in this movie or what happened or why. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like with every person's name scrolling by freaking out mainly about Hugh Grant and Judy Parfit. Right. Uh, those of you who have watched Call the Midwife, which no, we're not covering. Right. Uh, Judy Parfit is sister monica joan yes and also the queen mother in ever after which like again don't even get me started we aren't even gonna cover that (laughs) really don't oh my god why did we not (laughs) why did we not start a french enlightenment podcast (laughs) called ever podcast yeah Yeah, sure yeah sure podcast after moving on yeah Uh, so they're all uh, gallivanting, flying kites and whatnot. And then this one weird beardy dude. Yeah, Simon Callow. Uh, who is Simon Callow? He, you know, and I went and looked this up because he's one of these, you know, he's one of those British guys, you know, that I've right. seen around. Well, and you, I feel like you are way more knowledgeable about who he is and what he's done than me. I think that's true because I definitely, I recognized him and I somehow knew that he was Simon Callow, even though I don't know. I just keep imagining that he's Simon Cowell. Right. And that he's massaging his own man boobs. <laughs> right. But this is not the case. He was an Amadeus. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Who did he play in Amadeus? He, um, he was like, uh, I can picture him. What was he doing there? Uh... He was Emmanuel Schickenneder. Schickenneder? Yeah, Schicken- that was the guy. That was the guy who uh who wrote some of the books for Mozart. Oh, more importantly, he was the Reverend Mr. Beebe in a room with a view. Oh, well there yeah. Oh, so we've seen his penis. We have seen his penis. And ironically, had he shown young Morris his penis in this upcoming scene, <laughs> I would have been far less uncomfortable right. than what actually wound up happening. As what he is he is giving a young fatherless boy uh the talk. And I know, you know, our our male cousins most if not all of you have had the talk at some point in your life and for most if not all of you it was very uncomfortable however right wow like this scene i don't know what the talk is like for boys 
But this Usually scene... much less Latin. Well, okay, that's good. But secondly, <laughs> if it's anything approaching this, like, maybe you guys should just not have it anymore. Right. Maybe you should just figure it out on your own. I think <laughs> you can probably do that. Well, because he... Well, now there's porn. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's much easier now. You're going to find it out anyway. Yeah, you really can't help it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, up to that point, all this boy had been told would be was not to do anything that he wouldn't do in front of his mother. Yes. Which is not good advice. <laughs> um, and But yes, yeah, so he, uh, he then gives the most awkward possible explanation about what sex is, using a lot of Latin terms. Yeah. He pronounces the Vs like Ws. Yes, is that, that is like actually a thing? common. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you would say Sawete. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I had a note here. This is why I'm glad I never took Latin. Um, uh, Latin's actually a pretty cool language. Uh, yeah, but then you end up in a situation like this. and <laughs> No, my Latin class was great because all we ever did was play Latin bingo and our covers were like goldfish crackers and M&Ms. Uh, okay. This may also coincidentally be why I didn't really retain anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, and he also, beyond the Latin, uh, draws pictures in the sand of, uh, you know, what's going on down there, which were virtually indecipherable to me. I didn't recognize them as anything, uh, particularly salacious. Right. It just looked like the ravings of a madman in graphical form. <laughs> right. Like, it was less explicit than your standard, like, Georgia O'Keeffe situation. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> well, because, because then at the end of it, like, some school girls walk by and they happen to stumble across it and it's like scandal. But, yeah. like, is it? Do they, like, what? The, maybe, maybe this was a common, uh, you know, puberty beach. <laughs> which would beg the question why they were strolling there in the first place. But, hey, look, girls have puberty too, Kelly. They also uh, yeah. need awkward Latin drawings to help I, them out. No, we don't. We <laughs> just need to know how to use a tampon. And again, that's something you got to learn yourself. Yeah. You know, sometimes you bleed uh, on your chair in math class, and then you leave, and your math teacher does you a solid and does not tell anybody who sits in that seat the period before them. <laughs> that that was that was, was some wordplay. That was a little clever. Yeah. Zing. <laughs> Can't do that in Latin. I don't know. Maybe you can. Um <laughs> Say zing. <laughs> Cousins, can you say zing in Latin? Has someone you know said zing in Latin? If so, we want to hear your story. Are you a time-traveling centurion? <gasps> if you are, we would like to have you on this podcast. Yeah, really. To plumb the depths of your many experiences. You can really, we'll, we'll pay your plane ticket like. Oh, yeah, for a time-traveling yeah. centurion? Yeah. Like, you want to come live with us, buddy? <laughs> Should warn you, Kelly's Latin, very rusty. Uh, yes. <laughs> In any case. Salwete's pretty much it. <laughs> Lorem ipsum? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> um, so now that we've learned how horrible England is. Also, we learn how to make a gay. <laughs> right. Apparently. Apparently that's that's Look, what does it. I don't blame this kid. Right. After, you know, the beardy McGuy's <laughs> whole thing, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a lady. I want to get as far away from that as possible. Right. And he says, like, it's super great, but he's not convincing. No, because Morris, young Morris, mm -hmm. who is in this 11, although apparently in the original book he was 14. Uh, either way, dumb as a stone. <laughs> um, 
he says, oh, I'm never getting married and I'm just never getting married. And then that guy is like, oh, well, in 10 years, you and your wife are going to go out to dinner with me and my wife. And we'll be all like, oh, remember when I had to teach you about <laughs> penises and you were like, I'm never getting married. And we'll all laugh, which I doubt any of that would happen. Right. Because even- they couldn't. They couldn't even in like, you know, per, post World War. Well, would it have been post World War Two? Mm, no, we weren't even into World War Two at this. No, point. no, no. The, because the, when he's in by the time he gets to college in the next scene, it's only 1909. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That puts the happy ending uh, of this <laughs> movie. Spoiler. Uh, everybody that's happy at the end of this movie, your world is about to get fucked. Yes. Welcome to England. Um, also, fun fact, Simon Callow played mm-hmm. Julian Fellows in Uptown Downstairs, the comic relief Downton Abbey uh, parody thingy-do. I did not realize I that. didn't either. Probably somebody sent that to us. <laughs> That's probably true. I don't know why I'm... I'm always so, like, skeptical of the comic relief sketches. I don't know why. Yeah, there's no I love reason. that one where Joanna Lumley was the doctor. Yeah. Anyway. So we cut straight from there. Right. To Michael Misterm at Cambridge. Yes. In 1909. Right. Which, like, what? Michaelmas? I think they pronounce it Michaelmas, too. That actually makes it worse. Oh, no, I know. No, it's, uh, it's some random holiday. It's like maybe late November. It's sometime in the late fall or early winter or something. Well, they uh. They care about it. Apparently, you know, we're not even <laughs> going to bother to look it up. No, we're not. But we're in, uh, uh, some Dean's rooms or whatever chambers maybe they're called chambers and he is uh hosting his students in a little informal get-together a salon if you will uh-huh. um, they're discussing religion uh music whether music is the like that music is the most abstract form of art etc and uh, we meet uh risley risley yes oh lord risley yes who he goes in for being superior. He says, oh, very much so. Yes. And he is a treat. Although, uh, Morris does not seem to think so. This is true. He seems to find him a bit arrogant. Well, he is a bit arrogant. He's more than a bit arrogant. <laughs> He's, That's right. pretty much his whole jam. Right. It is his whole jam. The dean actually tells him to shut up. Which yeah. En- which I enjoyed that. So they leave that salon and Morris is with a friend of his and Risley comes out and he's like, I say, you there. <laughs> and he gives him his card and he's like, these are my rooms. Come hang out. I think you would uh, have a good time there. And then right. he pointedly looks at his friend and is like, don't bring your chum. <laughs> yeah. And his chum is like, whoa. <laughs> is it because of my low class accent? <laughs> Is it because I'm not blisteringly homosexual? <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> right. Uh, Morris is a bit nervous to meet this exalted Lord Risley. So he, he he tries out the old pretend a random pillar is the person you want to talk to routine. Oh, yeah. You know, we've all done that. You just talk to a pillar for a while out in public, mm-hmm. just out where everybody can see you. Yeah, definitely. Lest an awkward uh, especially, scene happen. Yeah, especially <laughs> in an uh, insular... Right. Collegiate, single sex atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to avoid embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's rife with English public school <laughs> antics, the right. likes of which you can see on display in the movie If, <laughs> starring Malcolm McDowell. Right. Uh, if you dare. Yeah. Horrors. <laughs> I mean, great movie. Oh, yeah. But horrors. Right. 
Uh, but having gotten his courage up with this pillar, he proceeds to his rooms only to discover... <gasps> Hugh Grant! <laughs> you guys. <laughs> we have seen some attractive gentlemen come and go. That's true. On this podcast. Absolutely. You know, even the late benighted Mark Muir. <laughs> right. Attractive dude. But man, young Hugh Grant. Well... I'm finally beginning to understand why my elders' generation completely forgave him for that whole uh, prostitute business. Uh, right. Like, they were like, you know what? In his defense, so hot. <laughs> right. Because he just, wow. I mean, yeah. he was attractive, you know, sort of when I was, you know, yeah, a teenager, yeah. like doing, you know, Notting Hill and About a Boy and whatever the hell. Else. Oh, Sense and Sensibility. Right. right. Oh, man. Love him in that. Sure. But this, I mean, he is just gorgeous. Yes. I mean, I don't care how straight you are as a man. Yeah. You want to touch his face. Well, I can tell you who agrees with you, Morris. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it's a very cute meet cute. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Hugh Grant, whose character's name is something. Uh, uh, Durham. Durham, yeah. Uh, Clive Durham. Correct. He's looking for some movement of Tchaikovsky's mm-hmm. and uh, for the player piano, you know, the height of technology at Cambridge. Right. I mean, like, he can't find it, and uh, I don't know what they were saying about it, but it was just oh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, blah, blah, blah. But Music, then, I'm British. Yeah. <laughs> so then they, they leave, and they're, go hang, they're hanging out, I guess, in... Uh, some... In, uh, oh, I keep wanting to call Morris Paul... But that, okay, his name's Morris Hall. Yes. But for like the whole beginning part of this movie, I thought his name was Paul. <laughs> so that's kind of how I'm thinking of him. I see. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but like he's hanging out and he's hanging out with Morris and his chum, who I guess was his, you know, roommate or however that works. Right, right. I, yeah, well, we really should have looked up, uh, what the deal, <laughs> what's the deal with college in Britain? <laughs> Well, perhaps we can discuss it at a later date (laughs) when we have looked this up. (laughs) So, Morris does wind up hanging out with Risley and his whole set. Right. Uh, And they've got the, it's a, it's a a player piano. And it's, you know, they love it. Yeah. They're going crazy. Um, They do not have cable. Uh, And that's, I I think that's pretty much it. Because then it's Lent term. Next, yeah, that's so. what I have written down as well. I do yeah. have why is Paul dressed like a Pratt? Paul <laughs> meaning Morris. <laughs> Morris, yes. No, but he has to wear his like graduation cap everywhere. Right. And that just seems stupid to me. Well, that's because it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Pratt. Dressing like a Pratt, that right. was happening. Yeah. Uh, so in Lent term, they're back with... The good old Dean, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one guy is reading, like, real slow. Like, real slow. Real slow. And I was like, why are you letting that guy read? <laughs> yeah, but it's so boring. It, it then becomes clear that mm-hmm. they're doing translation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Greek translation. And they're talking about gay sex. Or as they like to refer to it, the vice of the Greeks. <laughs> yeah. Which, hey, impress your friends. People who are gay and who have gay friends. <laughs> like, oh, I went to that wedding. It was a real vice of the Greeks, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah. Although if your friends are Greek, perhaps not. Yeah, maybe not. That might get confusing. Yeah, there could be a whole thing here. Yeah, they might think you're talking about the Greek version of Vice magazine. <laughs> a lot of cultural misunderstandings there. <laughs> As there are in Morris. <laughs> yes, there are. So, uh... This this kid is translating all this stuff about being gay, and right. you know we can see the wheels a turning in Morris's head. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, this sounds oddly intriguing," and much like what I would enjoy doing to Hugh Grant. <laughs> yes, there you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote down, "Look at these fucking hipsters." Right. Well, I know that. Uh, is it uh, when they were punting? Uh, I think they do end up going punting. Well, I know because uh, uh, Morris's chum yes. invites him to go to the to get something from the buttery. Which what is the buttery? <laughs> buttery. <laughs> He's like, no, thank you. I'm going to get my buttery wax. <laughs> That's yes. not true. He has to go punt Risley and Durham around. Right. Like so. Okay. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. But right. so if you haven't, picture this. There's the boat. There's yeah. Hugh Grant, like, sitting there. There's yeah. Risley, like... Recline. Recline like hedonism bot. <laughs> yes. And then there's stupid Morris <laughs> with his dumb floppy haircut just punting their dumb boat. Yeah. And so, like, you know, Risley and Durham are like, oh, the vice of the Greeks. <laughs> We're so gay. And Morris is like, uh, I don't get it. What is it with being gay? And they're just like, oh. <laughs> and then the other people with boats are like, keep your gay out of our boat, <laughs> you jackasses. Yeah. Uh, so they're being profligate and young. Right. And I think, I believe, I don't remember if it's here, there's some discussion about the fact that, you know, on a platonic level, the love between two men is like the purest thing there yes. is. Well, and I mean, and this was very common... Uh, a very common attitude to hold. Mm. I remember reading all about it in this biography of Oscar Wilde that mm. I read when I was far too young to really understand what the hell I was reading. <laughs> right. I did that all the time. I would read a book and be like, what? How odd. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, it's, it's the platonic ideal. Right. I mean, that's, you know. Oh, yeah. We, Plato. Yeah. When we talk <laughs> right. about the platonic ideal, uh, even though people talk about having a platonic friendship with a woman, it kind of can't be. Right. Because uh, Plato hated women, yeah. like, so much. Right. Like, if you want to have a platonic relationship with women, you should poke her in the eyes and then go <laughs> hang out with a dude. That's that's what you're saying to your lady friends. Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole concept, and it was based on sort of the relationship between Socrates and Plato. Right, right. Where, you know... He had been a disciple of Socrates, and Socrates was older and wiser, so he could like pass all of his many years of knowledge onto Plato. Mm-hmm. And you know, they had a very pure love <laughs> right. and uh, exchange of thoughts. And it was great. It was great. Yeah, uh, I suppose <laughs> he certainly. Th- I wasn't that way. there. Right. I mean, I I suspect that. Uh, wow, taking that hemlock probably really put a damper <laughs> on that relationship. <laughs> Well, there's no way of knowing that was Socrates' whole point. Maybe the relationship even got better after that. You don't know. I really don't. Right. So we get to this point where, like, Morris, like, finds uh, Durham. Durham, yes. 
Well, I just I just refer to him as Hugh Grant. Okay, all that's the time. probably. Let's listen, just stick with. This feels like a Russian novel to me on so many levels <laughs> because like everybody, pretty much except for Risley, I'm like, you have three names to me. <laughs> um, so Hugh Grant comes and finds Morris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Morris is like, oh, let's go have fun. What, what? <laughs> right. And Hugh Grant just is like, oh, P.S., I love you. <laughs> and then uh, Morris says, don't talk rubbish. <laughs> right. Which, <laughs> pro tip, <laughs> if anyone at all says that they love you, don't say that. Right. Uh, you can say, I know. That's a good <laughs> yeah, Star no. Wars approved mm-hmm. thing, and you can kind of weasel your way out of that. Uh, you can say, uh, oh, I am dying, <laughs> and then fall to the ground. They love you. They're not going to just let you die. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although they might, say, they might be mad when they find out that you weren't dying. Right. You can be like, what was that? And just keep saying that however many times they repeat it until yeah. they get the hint. Yeah. Uh, or run screaming into the night. <laughs> right. That's, that's saying no without having to deal with the consequences. <laughs> right. Anyway, so he says that, uh, Hugh Grant looks as if his world has shattered and also the shards have murdered the cutest puppy. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, and, uh, then he runs away. The cutest puppy, of course, being Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if we ever get a puppy, let's name it Hugh Grant. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So he runs off and, uh, you know, Morris is left to think about the vice of the Greeks and whether he's into that. Right. Which, so, okay, listen, you, know, you are. Yeah. So your standard uh, turmoil at this point, emotional turmoil. Yeah. Uh, but then he chooses to cope with this <laughs> by in the middle of the night climbing. No, isn't there a scene before that? Yes. Um, yes. Well, oh, yeah, because, because he, goes, he goes after Hugh Grant, mm-hmm. and he goes back to his rooms, and, you know, he's like, hey, Hugh Grant. Oh, because, oh, wait, didn't they have that scene on the wicker chair at this point? Yeah. They were, like, weirdly, awkwardly hugging each other on a wicker right, chair. Right, and kind of, like, stroking hair, sort of. Yeah, and... which is which is why I was surprised when Morris was like, uh, don't talk rubbish. Right. Because Morris was the one who made the first move. Yeah. Because, like, how could you not? <laughs> Hugh Grant's hair is sitting right in front of you. Like, right. what, are you supposed to not touch it? Yeah. Hugh Grant's like, I wonder why all these chaps keep stroking my head. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they hug on a wicker chair. You know, wicker killing the mood since <laughs> whenever they invented wicker. <laughs> right. It's um, uh, neither comfortable nor quiet. Yeah. So <laughs> after Hugh Grant's declaration, Morris follows him back to his rooms and is like, uh, hey – Why'd you run off? And Hugh Grant's like, oh, I said that I loved you. And he said it was rubbish. And Morris was like, uh. And, you know, Hugh Grant was just like, you know, at least you're a decent person. You right. Know, if, I had, if I had opened up to the wrong person, I would be in jail. Yeah. Which is so true. Yes. Uh, they would perhaps discuss further. Is this the scene where all their chaps pile in? Well, because they... That would be when they, yeah, because they're wrestling a bit. They do some wrestling. Yeah. Some oh, that was earlier bit. though, because Clive was like smoking a cigarette, and then while his cigarette was lit, <laughs> Paul like rolled him up in a carpet, and I right. was like, "What happened to that flaming ember?" Uh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Trinity College was destroyed today. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities blame homosexuality. <laughs> um. 
But yeah, so they're all uh, wrestling around when all of a sudden all their chums come running in like, hey. And well, like they won something and then somebody was like, don't you have any dog cheating, old chap? None of this China tea. Like, it was so crazy. Yeah. Like, well, I, I say, you have the most terrific boner. Oh, you know what? That's what I wrote about. Look at these fucking hipsters. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. Because they were being oh, so yeah, particular about their tea. About their tea. Um, anyway, so at whatever point that happened, right? Someone had a boner. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now, you know, so Hugh Grant's like, listen, just like, don't tell anybody. Cause like, you know, jail. Right. Then there's like this whole extended, like tortured sequence. It's like Hugh Grant won't hang out with Morris anymore. Yeah. And they're like in the dining hall. I just kept expecting some, you know, done to stand up and be like, it's come to our attention that some of you are gay. <laughs> we can't tell which ones. You're all awfully British. <laughs> Makes it frightfully difficult. Sometimes I think we should let girls in here. <laughs> girls? Nothing will turn a man gay faster than a girl. <laughs> uh, that is not true, by the way. <laughs> um... Unless it's Morris's family, apparently. Well, yeah. This, we we saw them earlier at some point. I don't know. I don't remember oh, how that yeah, worked like out. Oh, yeah, he went home for the halls or something. Yeah, and then his sisters were super weird. Like, there were two of them, and I just remember the first scene they were in. They were just, like, odd. And yeah, well, again, it's an E.M. Forster story. Like, yeah. he doesn't write normal characters. Right. That's the weirdest thing. It's like... <laughs> You know, even though at the time, because this was pu- this was written in 1913, and mm. it wasn't published until after E.M. Forrester's death in like 1971. Right. Um, but like, despite the fact that like you know the relationship was at the time you know quote unquote unnatural. Mm-hmm. I mean, these characters are way more normal than almost anybody we've seen in any other E.M. Forrester story. Yeah. I mean, and I mean mainly. Hugh Grant right, and, and Morris, Morris and even Risley to an extent because I mean like yeah. Risley's very supercilious right but he's but you understand his MO well and he's you know he's a lord and yeah. you know well and even like uh, you know when we finally meet like Durham's family so it's mainly Morris's family that's like really weird yeah but we'll get to them right in more depth later yes, yes. Uh, so Hugh Grant stands and he has to like say the prayer for the meal. Right. It's very tortured and And weird. It's in Latin and it's this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they do that. And then Mm -hmm. Paul climbs it. His name is not Paul. Yeah. In my notes, he's Paul. I don't know why. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's some like, you know, I am the walrus situation. (laughs) Morris. Climbs in. Here, hereafter referred to as Paul. I'm gonna, look, I'm trying really hard. I didn't even take that many notes. All right. Soon we're all gonna be on our own. Uh, so Morris climbs in to Hugh Grant's window. Yes. Goes, says that he loves him and kisses him. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down that he's toxic, cause that's some fucked up next level shit. Right. Like. Well, cause then he just climbs back out and heads off. I was like, dude, that was a lot of work for one kiss. Yeah, and like, also maybe you should have explained why you were a dick to him. Yeah. When he opened his soul to you. Yeah, dude. Uh, but hey, all's forgiven now. And, uh, they're off on a picnic. Yeah, and, so they're going to the picnic. Right. Uh, Morris is on a motorcycle <laughs> and Hugh Grant is in the sidecar. Yes. And they like drive past the dean and the dean's like, 
hey, you got class. Right. And like, they don't stop. No, they just head off. And the dean is just left there sputtering. They're just like, screw you, dean. We're 1960s American teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) This scene was later adapted into the classic George Lucas film, American Graffiti. (laughs) Right. Uh... So they go and they have this, you know, picnic, and it's like it's so cute. Yeah, it like is. Like it's it's shot very beautifully, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's very all of the scenes, like all of the like the sensual like love scenes in mm-hmm. this movie are really sensual. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, going back to that stroking of the hair, even like that was, I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're doing there. No, I mean, it was it was very palpable. Mm-hmm. They should call this Brokeback Britain. <laughs> But actually, it's even much more sexy than Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Well, because, like, in Brokeback Mountain, it was, like, the characters, like, knew what they were supposed to be doing with women. And it's not, like, super clear that these dudes even, like, understand where to start. Because, again, that diagram was so unhelpful. Oh, right. (laughs) And if that was standard in the entire, uh, you know, British school system, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, it's a miracle there's any Britons left. (laughs) But, uh... Yo, so they're just kind of doing what comes natural, except that Hugh Grant is like, don't kiss me, dude. Yeah. He's like, not on the mouth. He's yeah. like, I'm Julia Roberts. Right. In Pretty Woman. Except that, you know, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so Morris is like, what? <laughs> right. It's confusing, but. Uh, so, but you know, they're just kind of like stroking each other's bodies and lounging and, you know, having fun. Yeah. And then they go back to campus and Morris is called to the dean, right? Who he sassed earlier. Yeah, and the dean's like, you know, you 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 skipped out on my translation class. And Morris is like, to be fair, sir, your translations class is frightfully boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the dean is like, uh, uh, is there any reason why I shouldn't dismiss you? And Morris is like, uh, no. And <laughs> it's just like, what? I'm like, what the shit, dude? This is Cambridge. Yeah. Like you're not Sebastian in Brideshead Revisited. <laughs> Who do right. you think you are? I know. Like, that, Risley Sebastian. Right. Risley can do what do what he wants. Yeah, he's he, a lord. Yeah. You're just some asshole. Right. And the, like it wasn't even like the dean was the dean was not expecting to kick him out in that meeting. No, he just wanted him to like apologize. Right. For well, I think the dean also said that he'd missed some other classes. That's true. But I mean, still, but it, still, it was. It did seem kind of egregious to me to try to kick somebody out for missing like a day. Yeah, but I mean, it was clearly the dean was just trying to like get him back on the right course, and Morris is just like, eh, no, you should just kick me out. Yeah, he's like, I'm gay now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your rules. <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> Later, dad. <laughs> And I was totally shocked by this development. Well, yeah, as was I. Because I'm thinking this whole thing is like this going to no, be this I... whole like, oh, you know, school chums. Right. You know, blowing each other in the lavatory. <laughs> that old thing. A tale as old as time. And no, uh, the next scene we get is uh, Morris at the train station. <laughs> yep. Hugh Grant's there seeing him off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Morris is like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm just going to go to the stock market like my dad. Yeah. That's, and that's Hugh Grant's plan. like, I will never have to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so this is actually also kind of cute, though, because Morris is like waving to him from the train and like yeah. being very like waving a hanky. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of adorable. Like they're holding hands like yeah. while the train pulls away. It was pretty cute. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, Samoris heads back to the city and meets up with uh, Marcus Brody. Yeah. Yeah, which was exciting. Who, if you recall, also played uh, Dummy McStoop's stoop's father <laughs> in A Room with the View. Right. Dummy yeah. McStoop's stoop, of course, being George. Right. The, as as I recall, he was like the only thing we liked about that movie. He, Is that right? No, we liked Cecil Vi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, yes. Um, who perhaps might have been happier hanging out with Risley and his gang. Right. Was the consensus. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, so Marcus is at first like, oh, yeah, so he insulted the DNA. Well, and perfectly right, too. But then it's a, it's just a twist because he's actually like really pissed off. At yeah, Morris. he sort of boxes his ears on behalf of his mother. Yeah. And we heard about this character whose name we don't know and don't care about. Right. It's doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah. Doctor so-and-so. Yeah. Doctor Mar- Marcus Brody. <laughs> MD. Uh, <laughs> uh, when in the first scene, Simon Callow was like, oh, do you have like a dad or whatever? <laughs> uh, which is like, red flag, Morris, run. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, no, but like the, the kind of father figure was this guy. Mm-hmm. And his mother made some mention of him in whatever that scene was where we had yeah, seen yeah. his family about him being so great. So this guy has kind of been the, you know, substitute patriarch when that's necessary. Right. So he just yells at Morris and is like, you better apologize to your mom and you better go back and apologize to the dean. And then uh, Morris is like, I'm going to let you finish, but I ain't never apologizing <laughs> to no one. That's right. And then he like leaves the room and like his mom is there and his sister's like crying. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, bitches. And then he goes upstairs. Yeah. He is. It's just it's just weird. He is. He is a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Look, frightfully so. He's a dick. This is how it works. Well, okay. Well, because then after that scene, we jump ahead two years. Yeah. To 1911 in the city. <laughs> yes. Not San Francisco or New York. Right. London. Yeah. Well, specifically the city, which is like a part of London. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's that's like the financial district of London is referred to as the city. And the thing about it is it's got like its own special laws that go back, you know, 2,000 years or whatever. And like... You know, it has like spe- special elections. It's like a weird little holdover Is that from like the Vatican. Kind of, yeah. The um, Vatican of money. It, it, yeah, it kind of is. Okay, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, so you can tell that Morris has gone full asshole. <laughs> yeah, because he's grown a mustache. Oh, y'all. he has. He has grown. He's grown. He has. He has grown a mustache. <laughs> it is quite luxurious and uh, fluffy. And gay. And gay. gay. So gay. <laughs> he is a homosexual man at the height oh, right. of his power. Uh, so he is indeed working in the stock market. Right. Which appears to consist of uh, peering at a stock ticker uh, all day long. And pretty much that's it. Yeah. It looks quite boring. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he seems happy enough. Yeah, fair enough. Good work if you can get it. I know, right? Uh, yeah. And then uh, somehow he gets invited up to Durham's place. I don't. Well, I think they'd stayed in touch. Right. You mean to the country estate? Yeah. Oh, Penderley. wait. That's before 1911. Is it? It is because, uh, and it's not, it's Pendersley. Oh, you're right. Pendersley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because when the train was pulling away, Hugh Grant was like, come to Pendersley. Right, right. So yeah, so they so they go, and this is where we meet Judy Parfit, who plays Hugh Grant's mom. Yeah. So they get there, and then uh, 
Hugh Grant has a sister named Pippa because, of course, he does. Right. Not as cute as Pippa Middleton. Yeah. She's Who's... engaged to a hideous-looking man yeah, named it's Archie. Horrible. So uh, they they're there. Well, and they they show Morris to his room, mm-hmm. and then. Hugh Grant uh, comes in with him and he like tackles him on the bed and they're like canoodling. Yeah, and he's like, look at this view. You can shoot rabbits from this window. And uh, well, they kill a lot of rabbits on that estate. They do. Uh, but then like the maid comes in and is the first in a long line of people <laughs> in this movie who don't know either of these men, but who are like, I know you're gay. Yeah. I know your awful secret. She does not approve. Well, it could be that she may just be a rabbit lover. That was my theory. <laughs> Uh, you know, so there's this sort of sinister mm-hmm. undercurrent. Yes, yes, going is. on. Yeah, and there's a they they also have a dinner party that night, which is a far better representation of a dinner party than on Downton Abbey because mm-hmm. this is why it was so important for a hostess to seat her guests. You know, well, it, yeah, to seat them well because you would have been involved in conversation more or less only with the people on either side of you. You know, there might have been conversations throughout the night where more people got drawn in. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that you would get a chance to socialize with people that you didn't see very often. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody who was your special friend. and Right. So there was, you know, a whole bunch of conversations going on at once, none of which were intelligible. It's like... That is not true. You're no Robert Altman, sir. (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) Uh... But we do get a, a bit of uh, Morris talking with uh, Judy Parfit, right. where she's like, oh, Pippa says that Clive is in love. <laughs> and Morris is like, with me, bitch. Back off. <laughs> he does not say this. But no. apparently, apparently old Clive's been mooning around and writing poetry. Yeah. And if it's an E.M. Forrester book, we all know what that means. Right. It does not mean, as is theorized, that he has a little girl up in London. No, that is true. He does not. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a Mark Muir dig. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It does not mean that he is in love with a lady. Yeah. He's in love with Morris. Yeah. Me, Paul. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Then there's actually, there's another, I think they go off somewhere else in the estate and canoe them Oh, a yeah, bit. yeah. Because they, uh... He, Hugh Grant is like, oh, Pippa's going to be like, oh, we're doing blah, 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 blah tomorrow, but you're going riding with me. Yeah. And so the next day they do go ride, and that actually looks like super fun. And <laughs> yeah. then like there's some cottage that they were going to go canoodle in, but it's locked. Right. And then some old dude on a bike <laughs> rolls up. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's giving them the side eye. He's like, I know you. That's the queer cabin. <laughs> anyway, don't mind me. Just a weirdo on a bike making my daily rounds. Yeah. So uh, he, they're like, no, don't go in the woods. <laughs> There's naked men frolicking in the rain. <laughs> this is a merchant ivory joint. <laughs> There's going to be penises. <laughs> and there are. Oh, yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. No, no. Oh, but there are. There will be dick. Yes. A merchant ivory documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, you know what? I do appreciate that. Oh, yeah. It's certainly more than HBO's ever given me. It's very true. So anyway, back in 1911 in the city, uh, we uh, drop in on old Risley and find out what he's up to. I think this must be the scene where I wrote, it's Julian Sands, Back from the Dead. Uh, I don't know if that was in reference to Risley, but fun fact, Julian Sands was supposed to play Morris. Oh. And uh, he had to drop out because another film of his ran long in production mm. and uh they cast uh james wibley whipley yeah something ugh. 
Yeah. With the WH. <laughs> uh, they cast him because he'd been turned down for the role of Morris. Or he had to play a much smaller role than I think they wanted to give him just because he looked so much like Julian Sands. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, old Lord Risley is uh, in this this tavern. Yeah. And there's all these soldiers. Well, there's just these... It's just a bunch of guys in this, you know, weird uniform. And I'm like... Is this like the official male prostitute uniform, you know, as laid down by James the first in the year 1600? Uh, like, it may be. It was just. Well, but they say that he propositioned a soldier. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that must be what it is. But it was it was just interesting to me that because Risley does, in fact, proposition one of them. And it's clear that they all know that they're in a place where this sort of propositioning happens. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know. That's true. Because, like, and the, the tavern wench is very irritated, right. you know, with all this going on. She's like, oh, people are always picking up male prostitutes in here and not but, drinking. But it's... <laughs> he pays. Yeah, yeah, that's Because well, the whole thing is, like, there's this whole elaborate thing where he's like, you have to hold sixpence between your knees or something like that. Right. I didn't quite catch what was actually said. Well, it's something about how, like to stand so straight and out of tension or whatever. Okay. Like it's some, yeah. Anyway, it's dumb. And it's (laughs) all just a pretense for Risley to take this guy into a back alley and plan to give him a good rogering. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, this guy is a stoolie. Yeah. And uh, the police rush up and they arrest uh, old Risley, who I didn't particularly care for. I mean, I was horrified when it happened. Yeah. I didn't see this coming at all. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking that this would be some sort of, like, love triangle situation or right. something. Right, or just sort of a, a illustration of the seedy depths that Risley had to turn to or whatever. Yeah, but and so no. leading up to this, uh, the two families, Clive's and Morris's families, have, like, become great friends. Mm-hmm. And Morris and Clive are basically everywhere together. Uh, Hugh Grant has an apartment in... London. Yes. And so he and Morris are always, you know, gallivanting places. Yeah. And, and they've got like a crowd. At this, they have, they got gathered their little yeah, they circle have this together little at this point. Crowd, yeah. Uh, which is interesting because it's, it's mainly women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like Edwardian fag hags. Yeah. One of them, like, quite clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she was not cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Sweet burn. Random person. Sorry, lady. I'm sure you're very happy. Um, <laughs> She's listening right now, Kelly. <laughs> Sobbing. Just a single tear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it wasn't clear to us if or what or how much anybody knew about right. about Hugh Grant and Morris. Right. But uh, the day after Risley's arrest, boy, howdy, don't they have some soul searching to do? Yes. Uh, Hugh Grant is really upset. Yeah. He is physically ill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, yeah, because I can't, traumatizing. He, he's in the law library when he reads the headline. Yes. Oh yeah. Cause he's there studying to be a lawyer. Right. Right. That is why he is in Britain. FYI. And by Britain, I mean London. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) He's in Britain because he's gay. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tom. I know. Um, and, and Morris reads it on a train. Um, he has his own newspaper, but he was trying to like read this other dude's newspaper. Yeah, and this guy was like, "Hey, this is my newspaper. <laughs> I want to read about this homosexual." <laughs> and that night, they they had you know tickets to the opera or something, mm-hmm. and uh, Hugh Grant was late, 
and they kind of almost get into a row yeah. about it. Yeah. And then, like, they go to dinner. It might be the next day, but, like, they're at dinner at Morris's house with his mother and sisters. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Grant passes out. Yeah. Like, apropos of nothing. Yeah. Just keels over. At which point, Morris, quick thinker that he is, kisses him. Yeah. On in the front mouth. of his mother. In front of his mother. The, well, I guess he was not doing anything he wouldn't do in front of his mother. So you look at that's it that a, way. You know, <laughs> fair point. Well, well played, Morris. Yeah. Um, not, uh, not what the weirdo beardo had in mind for you, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the two sisters who are named, I think, aren't they named Kitty and Alice or something? Probably. No, wait. Thing Is one it? and thing two. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. neither of their names seemed important enough for me to write down. So. Likewise. So they, they get, uh, Hugh Grant up to bed and like Morris manages to sort of like make up some bullshit explanation to his mother. He's like, Oh, oh, we're, we're very close. You see, we're, right. we're practically relations. <laughs> yeah. And then the doctor comes in and is like, did somebody say relations? <laughs> and it's Groucho Marx. <laughs> it's not. I didn't realize he was an MD. Yeah. So, uh, no, but, uh, Morris is up in, in Hugh Grant's room, you know, trying to like make him more comfortable. And the doctor right. comes and is like, get the fuck out. And Morris is like, oh, but I, I feel like I should, uh, oh, uh, oh, all right. Well, but like the doctor's like, we're going to get him a nurse. And Morris is like, I can take care of him. Yeah. Right. I'll be his nurse. And the doctor's like, uh, you're gay. <laughs> and Hugh Grant's like, good point, doctor. I'll take the nurse. <laughs> A man nursing another man. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, because we'd seen some uh, more of these scenes with Risley, too, because he calls uh, Hugh Grant. Yes. And says that uh, he's been told that if he pleads guilty, he can minimize the publicity. I'm like, isn't that, isn't it a bit late for minimizing the publicity? Because it was on, like, the front page. Yeah, people were like, whoa. That was about as publicized as it could get. Yeah. It was like, you know... John Travolta groping that masseuse levels of publicity. <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Uh, probably more so because there was no TMZ at the time. Right. That's true. Uh, yeah. So Hugh Grant is, is very concerned because what perhaps we in this podcast have not <laughs> adequately communicated. Indeed. Is uh, Hugh Grant's prospects for the future are quite bright. Yeah. He comes from a very wealthy family. His mm-hmm. father's dead. Uh, and it's, it's very much expected that he will go into public life. Yes. And, you know, for that to happen, you know, he can't, uh, get arrested for solicitation. Right. Or even offer a testimonial on Risley's behalf. Yes. Yes. So he can't be in. Right. Congress he- with the gay. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form. Right. Um, so the next day, Morris has gone into the office and he gets a call from his mother saying that Hugh Grant is going back to Pendersley. Mm-hmm. And Morris flips out. Yeah. He's like, no, he's not well enough to travel. Blah, 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 blah. So he right. goes and like he arrives home just as soon as Hugh Grant is like getting packed into a car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean he's too ill to travel? It's a car. Right. And this is psychosomatic. Right. He's not riding a mule to Pendersley. Like. <laughs> uh, his mother has come to get him, mm-hmm. which surprised me. Uh, but I don't know how far Pendersley would be. Right, it's fictional, yeah. so like, yeah. Who knows? Well, and he's ill, you know. Fun fact: in the book, it is called Penge. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> I think Pendersley is a way better name. Well, sounds a lot like Pemberley. Anyway, uh, well, yeah, better. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so Morris gets in the car and like is holding Hugh Grant's hand under a blanket, and Hugh Grant is like, uh, "Get off me, yeah, please, if you would." Yeah, he's like, "Listen, gay guy, get out of this car, mother, get in." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The the uh, typical response of a closeted gay man, <laughs> right? At the time, yeah, and uh, you know, fair enough. Yeah. So uh, he gets in the car and he goes off to Pendersley. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he goes to Greece? Yes. Is that what happens? Yeah. Um, I, we kind of flash forward at yeah. this point again. Uh, at some point, somebody gives a toast to the ladies, which I don't remember who or it was, why. It was Hugh Grant. Okay, that's what I figured. He like gave a just, host to the ladies. Which I, uh, I just sort of like somehow. Okay. <laughs> I just... Wanted to point that out. But well, yeah. And there had been discussion because we do see the two families interacting a bit more. And they're all like, oh, like, you know, don't you think he should go to Greece? And everybody like wants Hugh Grant to go to America and all right. these things. And- yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So basically when we flash forward, these two gay men are like, boy, this being gay isn't working out. I know. I'll go to Greece and you go volunteer in a boxing gym. <laughs> Those are both the yeah. least gay things I can think go, of. Go teach lower class men the gentle art of boxing. <laughs> yeah. Because we get all this information in in form of a voiceover in a mm-hmm. letter from Morris to Hugh Grant. Right. Who's, you know, really uh, Zachary graying it up in Greece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's uh, mooning about. Oh, I think very much so term. mooning about. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Hugh Grant has not been writing back to Morris at mm-hmm. all. He's, yeah. he's just been mooning, full-time mooning, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is, to be fair, the reason that you go to Greece. No, I think you're right. That and to see the Parthenon. <laughs> Here it's nice, the time of year. So Hugh comes back from Greece. I don't know what goes on. Yeah, um... I've got... Th- these are my remaining notes. <laughs> okay. The gentle art of boxing, broke back Britain, which I already used. Right. Naked men roughhousing, poor scutter, and did they ever actually have sex? Right. Okay. My notes are longer, but not particularly more clear. So well, we'll see how this goes. You know, it's been okay, and we'll figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. Uh, so Hugh comes back. His family is discussing him with somebody. Uh, they, they don't know what his deal is. As one of them says, he keeps everything so secret. Much like a gay man would, <laughs> wouldn't you say? <laughs> and Morris is like, <laughs> say what? <laughs> right. Girls, boobs, I like them. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. And uh, Morris and Hugh Grant like get in a fight at some point. That's right. Okay. This is what happened. Okay. All right. So he's been, Morris has been writing and writing and writing. Hugh yeah. Grant has been mooning and mooning and mooning. Right. There was word that Hugh Grant would be back on a certain day, but he didn't come back that day. He does come and visit Morris's house and Morris is out. Yeah. So he's there and Morris's weird sisters are like, oh, we've just learned how to bandage somebody up. Right. Because uh, Dr. Marcus Brody says there's going to be a war. Right. So it was like, you better learn how to bandage shit. Yeah. Uh, which they have taken to without really internalizing the implications that there's going to be a war. Yes. They seem to think of it as rather a jolly lark. So next we see Hugh Grant all covered up in bandages. <laughs> right. And uh, 
Morris comes in, still with mustache. Yes. Uh, mustaches are important in this movie. They are. Uh, not as important as they have been, though, I think, in Mr. Selfridge and Downton Abbey. Fair point. Uh, well, none of the mustaches are as out of control. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not as impressive. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. So, Morris comes in and he's like, I say, where the hell have you been? Yeah. Why did you let my sisters put all these bandages on you? So they go into some little, I guess it must be like Morris's home office or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking. And Hugh Grant says, say, old chap, wouldn't it be fine if we both found ourselves a pair of ladies and got married? <laughs> and Morris is like, no. <laughs> right. That is the opposite of what I would like to do. They are gross. Yeah. Girls, ick. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> let me draw for you this diagram. <laughs> That a weird beard guy <laughs> drew for me. Does anything about this appeal to you? <laughs> but this is a great scene. Yes. Uh, you really do feel for Hugh Grant because yeah. he can't see any way around this. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause he tells Morris, he's like, I did nothing but think about this the entire time I was in Greece. And he's mm-hmm. like, I really think that the best thing is for us to, you know, not, uh, be gay. Right. And Morris is like, I love being gay. Yeah. He's like, gay is what I am. Gay is how I will stay. Right. And Hugh Grant's like, but like jail. And Morris is like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And he really doesn't, which is kind of surprising. It really isn't. Well, I mean, it's that same attitude that got him kicked out of Cambridge. He's like, "Eh, whatever. Oh, that's like themes if you're writing a paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at you. Thank you. Aw, you're handsome and literary. <laughs> Much like Hugh Grant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not as cute as him. Well, nobody is. I know. It's uncanny. <laughs> so they actually do get into like a big, like, you know, physical fight. Right. Because Hugh Grant's like, I'm going to go. Yeah. And Morris just flips the fuck out yeah. and winds up like punching him in the lip right. or like knocking him over or something. Yeah. Like he, he, do, he does punch him in the face because his, I mean, <laughs> Hugh Grant's face ends up damaged. I yeah. forget exactly how, but yeah. Well, and, and Morris has like somehow accused him of, uh, flirting with his sister. Right. And he kind of like both Which, of his yeah. sisters have very much had their eye on him and, I mean, both of the mothers, too. I mean, right. this isn't the focus no, they, of any of these scenes. Yeah, but... But in the scene where he came when when Morris wasn't there, who I still want to call Paul. Right. This is really hard, everybody. I just want you to know I'm going to try really hard to get through this. We respect your courage. Thank you. Uh, the mom is like, oh, well, you know, thing one has has Morris's uh, good looks, and that one has his his... Good nature. And I was like, okay, good looks all great. <laughs> good nature? This guy is a time bomb. That like, one has his love of penises. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I say I'm, I'm Hugh Grant. <laughs> we know. <laughs> anyway, so Hugh Grant leaves and the one that seemed like he had the most like spark with. Right. Um, you know, was like, uh, what happened to your lip? And he's like, oh, you know, just fell. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> right. Uh, well, because Morris has locked him out. Yeah. Uh, he's kicked him out. He's locked him out. Yeah. And then he leaves. Yeah. Uh, so. Presumably yeah. never to be seen again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a big fight. Later that evening, Morris is just drinking by the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thing one, 
Or is it thing? It's thing two with the brain. Okay. Or the nature or something. Is she named Ada? Ada and Kitty are those her names? It could be. I've got I've got Ada written down. A, somebody's named Ada. I, I can tell you that. I think much. that is Ada. <laughs> yeah. Ada must be thing two. Okay. Uh, thing two comes in. And she is like, oh, hello, Morris, you look sad. And he's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> why did you, uh, why did you throw yourself at, uh, Hugh Grant? And she's like, whoa. And he's like, that's what he said when he right. didn't say he did anything not. of the sort. Yeah. So anyway, Morris is like so nasty to yeah, her. Yeah. It's, really I mean, it's upsetting. ugly. Yeah. It's ugly to watch. Yeah. And she's just like, I'm okay. Right. And I mean, he's mean to his mom and his sisters pretty much all the time. Yeah, he's really super mean to them. That was the scene that we forgot about because he got introduced to atheism. That was what that whole punting scene was about. Oh, uh, right, It was right. like about Christianity and how the Greeks had it right and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And his mother was like, oh, well, your father always went to church. And he was like, what? Shut up. <laughs> right. And they were like, we're going to church. <laughs> and we were like, what are you talking? Why is this a scene? <laughs> yeah. So we flash forward again. It's 1913. Uh, boxing is continuing. Uh, but we learned that Clive has gotten engaged. And a mustache. Yes. The mustache has changed hands. They did because Morris no longer has his mustache. Because right. he came on the screen and I was like, why does he look weird to me now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because the mustache of shame has jumped ship. <laughs> right. And it has glommed on to Hugh Grant's face. Yes. As has Lady Anne Woods. Uh, yeah. So, uh, he calls up Morris at his office and is like, Hey, I got engaged. Talk to my new fiance. She says, Oh, I don't really have anything to say. This is the eighth friend of Clive's I've spoken with today. <laughs> yeah. And this is the best line reading in the whole movie. <laughs> Morris just goes, Eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, because also in the cutaway to Hugh Grant's side, you can see him being like, Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, like, don't say that. <laughs> He's a dick. Also my gay lover, but like, ooh. Right. Uh, so Morris is understandably upset. Right. But also, you know, he's... But he does you he's know, he doesn't... He's happy to be coming back into their... To, you know, Hugh Grant's life. Yeah. It's very bittersweet. Yeah, well, Hugh Grant's inviting him back, and he's like, well, you know, don't come at this time, because we'll be with the wedding, and don't come at this time, but but come up in October, I think, mm-hmm. for the cricket match. And I'm like, God, no, not the cricket match. Oh, yeah. That's a hotbed of sexual activity. <laughs> not to mention the police might show up, <laughs> because stupid fucking Alfred can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, but it is the same, like, it is the same, like, house versus town yeah it's it's a whole thing yeah julian fellows probably ripped it off from this very film (laughs) it's quite possible he was like gays cricket downtown abbey (laughs) series three let's do it that's that's his uh just like whiteboard for ideas for season three (laughs) cricket match gay Yeah. Uh, there's a short scene where Morris is on a train with an old guy, and that old guy, like, makes a move. He makes a serious yeah. move. Like, this is a... Oh, we didn't talk about what happened with Lord Risley. Oh, right. Wasn't that the cause of Hugh Grant's illness? Yeah. Yes, it like, was. Like, the, the, the verdict? Yeah, it was. So Lord Risley was stripped of his title and his standing in public life 
and pretty much anything that gave him any value. Right. Uh, and then sentenced to six months hard labor. Yeah. And Hugh Grant had snuck into the courtroom. Right. To kind of hear the verdict. So mm-hmm. he's like holding a hat in front of his face. It's like, you know, most of these people are looking at profile, right? <laughs> right. Uh, also fun fact, Lord Risley, uh, was not arrested, I don't believe, in the book, but that plot development was inserted into the movie, as was the trip to Greece, mm. uh, to kind of explain a bit better as to why Hugh Grant's character would have a sudden change right. in attitude. Which makes sense, because if it's written at the time, anybody who's reading it, not that anybody did, would have been the whole time, would have been like, oh, stop being gay, stop being gay. And you then know? it would stop being gay. Like, oh, right. thank God. Yeah. That's over. Right. Um, well, but I mean, it also was, you know, I know we've had a lot of conversation about sort of like, like Lord Grantham's attitude being right. anachronistic about like, oh, you know, when I was at school, mm-hmm. you know, people were making passes at me constantly. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I don't know. To the extent that there would have been at the time any attitude of boys will be boys. Right. You know, the expectation would have been like, oh, well, that's something you fool around with at school. Well, I mean, I But think then when it's time to grow up and be a man, you find a lady and you marry her. I think you, that was the whole point. Pregnant. It was like, let's put all the horny teenage boys together where no one can get pregnant and ruin anybody's claim to any titles or mm-hmm. anything. And then they'll get older and find a woman and then, you know, ejaculate in the appropriate place from then on. And, you know, that's... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think there was an acceptance of it in a schoolboy setting, you know, that there wasn't. Or at least just close. I mean, look, nobody questioned, as far as we can tell, the close relationship between Morris and Hugh Grant. Right. I mean, you know, it was remarked upon that they spent a lot of time together, but, you know, everybody just thought they were really good friends. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and they really did think that. Right. Well, and also, I was I was just going to say, I know that Oscar Wilde, in his trial, in his defense, was saying that it was just like you would do at school, uh-huh. and felt that that was an appropriate defense. Yeah. You know, so there was that much acceptance of it, at least. <sighs> Also, fun fact. I don't know where else to kind of put it in. But so, Ian Forster himself was gay. Mm-hmm. His sort of like life partner, his like lifelong relationship was with this policeman who was married to a woman. And they like all three like hung out together, mm. which I found really interesting because nobody, yeah. nobody really knew that he was gay. I mean, obviously. Right. You know, would right. have caused no end of difficulty. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, he lived with his mother for most of his life. But he had this relationship with this policeman, but like in his sort of like small literary circle, both the policeman and his wife would just kind of like hang out. And Mm -hmm. when he did eventually pass away, uh, he passed away at their home. And I just thought that was a really interesting, very unconventional type relationship uh, to be having, you know, at any of those times, really. Like, you know, when he finally died in like 1971, like that would have been the most acceptable time for that to be happening. (laughs) Right. But I mean, you know, for most of his life, yeah, you know, having this very, and I didn't see a ton of in-depth information, but Mm -hmm. uh, presumably there's books out there. Right. But I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that was sort of how he, you know, managed to sort of maneuver this. You know, Mm -hmm. he was having a relationship with somebody who was married to a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was some kind of alibi available. Right. Right. Uh, In any case, back to Morris. He uh, shows up at Dr. Marcus Brody's house 
like apparently like unannounced because he's having dinner or something yeah um and it's like i need to see you like as a, you know as a doctor i need to consult with you and he's like well all right you know let's i'll i'll let's go step off into this other room and i'll i'll consult with you um and he uh it's like the most victorian conversation ever right he uh he's like it's a it's a it's a something he says matter- it's a problem with women right and he's like all right well let's have a look and looks at his penis like is this helping you no no, no. he thought that he had gotten the clap right because he's like oh you know where'd you where'd you pick up the nasty thing and he's <laughs> yeah. like what yeah uh, but no, he, he says that, in fact, that he is the Oscar Wilde sort, mm-hmm. is how he attempts to describe it. The unspeakable Oscar Wilde sort. Yes. And Dr. Marcus Brody will have, he Not says at all. it is rubbish. Yeah. He does say in it is fact, rubbish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again. Yeah. And he's like, don't ever let such a thought cross your mind again. Such a ridiculous, like, lie mm-hmm. cross your mind. You just need a woman. That's all you need. You'll be fine. Yeah. And you know that's it and then storms out you know and i mean it's you know it is there's no sense of danger this is you know he has made it clear that this is a doctor patient situation yeah, but it's just but still you know, it's it's rejected pretty, out of it's hand pretty brutal yeah yeah um yeah and it's like you were so nice to indiana jones but well he wasn't gay no, was he he really wasn't he was a lover of the lady <laughs> he, he was it's well attested Clive gets married. Yeah, you know, there's the wedding. Yeah, they're all the old, the whole gang. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Morris's mom. Yeah, thing one thing two. Pippa. <laughs> they're all there. Judy Parfit. Everybody's there. Yeah. Uh, so great. Um, and Morris seems to have like adjusted to the situation. He is, you know, waving them out with yeah. all appearance of good cheer. And later they're hanging out at Pendersley, uh, hunting wabbits. Um, <laughs> it's him and Archie, I think. Oh, okay. I Isn't think you're it, right. It's, it's his birthday. Yeah. He's like super melancholy. Right, and right. And the under gamekeeper is there, a fellow named Scudder, who yes. we did see in a previous scene. I think it was actually the first time that uh, Morris had stayed at Pendersley. I think you're right. Because he- she wanted to post a letter to his mother and invite them to stay. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, oh, you know, you there, go post this. And he's like, oh, my name's Scudder. Because he's from the north. <laughs> right. And they're like, we don't care. Yeah. Get out. Anyway, um, so, like, the mist is rolling in, and Scudder's like, hey, idiots, the mist is rolling in. <laughs> right. Should we go? And they're like, meh. Yeah. Overbite. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, were I handing out an award for best overbite, I think Archie would win. Just hands down, molars yeah. up. <laughs> I think it's, is it Marcus Brody makes an appointment for Morris with the I don't specialist? Know who, I think Morris made the appointment. Okay. I don't know. Somehow he got an appointment with a specialist. Right. Played by Ben Kingsley. Yes. But like, they get back from shooting and Archie's skinning the rabbit. Right. And uh, Morris gets a telegram that's like, your appointment is confirmed. I don't know. It wasn't clear. Oh, wait. By the way, something that we forgot to mention about Anna Durham, nay Woods, Uh uh, is that she is Lady Flincher. Yeah, in the uh, Christmas special of Series 3. 
So uh, it's good to see her getting her loveless marriage practice in yeah, here in really. Morris. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, so Hugh Grant shows up because Hugh Grant has not been there because he is he's now kind of embarking on his public life. Right. Uh, having, um, he's going, there's going to be a by-election yes. for Parliament that he will be standing uh, for. So he's like, all right, I, uh, I'm going to go. No. So he comes back. And Morris is like, oh, I have to go to London tomorrow. Yeah. Like, sorry, everybody. Right. Like, that sucks. Yeah. And then, so there's a very boring party that night, uh, but it is raining, because um, it's England. Mm-hmm. So good to see some actual rain happening <laughs> in a show set in England. Uh, and the roof is apparently leaking, which I was like, I mean, and I guess that's kind of really standard with these old houses, because they're, you know, old. Yeah. But it always takes me aback. I'm like, but but you're so rich. Yeah. Um, but it's it's leaking right on the piano. Um, and so they're all sort of very, like, slowly fussing about with it. Yeah. Uh, they get a servant to come bring a saucer to catch the rain in. Yeah, and they get old Scudder in yeah. to move the piano. And uh, Morris actually helps Scudder. And then there's an elderly, is it the butler? Who's named, like, Simcox? Well, I think Simcox, yeah. But except, well, he he works as a valet, too, whether or not... Right. I yeah. Well, look, the many employment kerfuffles at Downton Abbey have really blurred the lines for me. <laughs> right. Somebody call Robin Thicke. <laughs> He's the only one who can get to the bottom of this. Please don't call him. And by the bottom of this, I mean Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Boom! That was, like, three in a row. That was, yeah, that's impressive. Thank you. <laughs> So my notes from here read, gay memoirs, aren't women extraordinary, and Scudder wandering with a dead rabbit. Okay. <laughs> I can. This is the weirdest part, is that you were ostensibly taking more notes, because I kind of like got really sucked into the story, right? Uh, and I stopped taking notes, but I remember much more about what actually happened than you do. Yeah, it's odd. Um, so the next day... I can't remember what the exact progression is, but so Morris goes to see this doctor uh, who has a name. It's hyphenated. But anyway. It's, uh, Dr. Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Dr. Ben Kingsley. A lot of doctors in this movie. No. Dr. Ben Kingsley hypnotizes him and, you know, is trying to, like, help him not be gay. Right. And he says it's a 50-50 chance right that he could not be gay mm-hmm. uh you know we're also overlooking the possibility that hugh grant's character is in fact bisexual yeah that is true it's but i actually don't think that's true i'll explain why later okay um anyway it's a possibility mm-hmm. you know it's whatever whatever is going on it is extremely clear that morris is only attracted to men yes he has zero interest in women like yeah. i don't think anybody's even managed to be able to set him up with anybody right you know because well, like the ben kingsley is saying something like a, you know imagine her beautiful long hair and he in his hypnotic oh, trance right. is like but i only like short hair yeah it's like why is that and he's like i don't know i just that's how i like it you no know? he yeah because it's like the block in his mind is like so strong that he can't even under like hypnosis right kind of admit it or whatever right right anyway so he comes out and ben kingsley is like okay Go hang out at a British country house and come back and see me in two weeks. So he has to go all the way back out to Pendersley. Mm-hmm. Well, and the night before, I believe, yes, because it was after the leak in the in the roof. Mm-hmm. He was like up in his room and it was raining, and like we kind of saw um, 
Anne and Hugh Grant going to bed mm-hmm. and she thinks that Morris is in love with somebody. Right. And that's why he's sneaking off to London. Yes. Yeah. So she thinks now, God, boy, this whole movie really is just sort of a mirror image of itself. Yeah. You know, with yeah. the mustaches and sort of, you know, some woman thinking that one of them is in love with somebody. Yeah. So anyway, so she thinks there's some woman and that's why she, he's gone off to London. Right. Um, that is not the case. He's still super gay. Right. So he is like flopping out of his window. Yeah. And just prostrating himself and being sad. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Scudder is just kind of like lurking off in, in the shadows. And right. I couldn't figure out why because I thought he had been stupping the maid. Ah. Because when they asked for that saucer, when they were moving the piano, uh-huh. like the maid came, came in and was like, Rrr. she had the same look on her face <laughs> as when she walked in on uh, Hugh Grant right, right. and Morris initially. And then Scudder like came in right behind her. And I was like, were they fucking? I was what like- the hell? <laughs> Some Gosford Park shit going on in here. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Scudder is just like skulking around in the shadows yeah uh and then the next day he goes and he sees ben kingsley and then he comes back right because the uh the cricket match is happening because that was the other thing like when he was like i'm going back to london hugh grant was like no but the cricket (laughs) yeah you have to be here for the cricket right it's very important to us for some reason (laughs) when did the naked men roughhousing happen um i know when it was it was at the boxing gym it was at the boxing gym yeah. Well, Which was before all of this. Yeah. Anyway, was, we assure you, if any of you want to see naked men roughhousing. Or naked man penis. Right. Oh, and Rupert Graves in this Full movie. Full frontal. Yeah. Mwah. Yeah. Ah, just, ah. Yeah. Really great male nudity in this movie. Yeah. So if that's what you're looking for, boom. Yeah. Top yeah. notch. Yeah. Uh, so he comes back and he's like hanging out. I think he has a conversation with Hugh Grant. And that's why he says, aren't women extraordinary? Right, you're like, right. oh, Anne has an idea. Then you're in love with somebody. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. By the way, old chap, I have to be gone for some reason during this incredibly important cricket match <laughs> that I made sure that you would come for. Uh, can you captain? Right. And uh, Morris is like, uh, I don't know shit about cricket. Yeah. He's like, I'm Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles. I got to know what a crumpet is before I can play cricket. <laughs> Yeah. Also, it's frightfully dumb. What is this? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. But uh, so he says, "Who's the uh, the best bat on the mm-hmm. team?" And it's uh, it's uh, what what do you know? It's old Scudder. Yeah. He's uh, handy with a bat. As very handy out. with. Well, as we find out <laughs> that evening. Yes. Uh, because you know. Morris does his whole opening the window, prostrating himself. And, right. Because like, it's like, it's not even like a suicidal thing. He's just like really depressed. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, when we talk about throwing himself out the window, his window looks out onto the roof of the room where the piano forte was. Right. So there's a ladder going up there. Right. Because presumably Scudder or whoever was like. Working on yeah. fixing the roof. Right. So uh, he's in his room. You know, moping. Yeah. Uh, and Scudder comes up. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa? Yeah. And Scudder does not hesitate. Scudder. He very confident. Scudder's like, hey, I'm hot. You're hot. Let's fuck. Yeah. And we were surprised. We were very because surprised. Because we thought Scudder was 100% heterosexual. <laughs> right. Uh, 
proving to us that our uh, merchant ivory gaydar has <laughs> once again failed us. It really has. Um, yeah, so uh, they get right to it. Yeah. This is when I wondered, did uh, Hugh Grant and Morris ever have sex? Right. Uh, they did not. They did not, yeah. We it, find it, out it later does get established because, that, yeah. yeah, but I mean... That to me was also so surprising. Mm-hmm. Well, because then presumably, like they never did kiss, like that boundary mm-hmm. that Hugh Grant set at that point early well, on. What about that time where Hugh Grant passed out? They kissed then. <laughs> there wasn't consent, Tom. <laughs> I know. Uh yeah. So they do it mm-hmm. uh, a lot. They do. Then it's the next morning, right. and like he's still hanging out, and we see Simcox. Come yeah. up the stairs and we're like, oh shit. It's a very like, like that dude no. that dude would love to have a gay witch burning. Yeah. He would <laughs> love nothing more. It's like, oh, after the cricket, we're burning these dudes at the stake. Right. As I, he would gladly like shoot them. He would. Like, uh, well His, they were gay. Yeah. Like, case dismissed. <laughs> well, I mean, it yeah. would it would probably uh make a lot of people happy. Yeah, I think so. At the time. Yeah. Uh but fake out uh scudder has indeed made his exit he scuttered right <laughs> he, he did so everything's in the clear except except sim cox is uh like hmm there's mud on the carpet over here mm-hmm. and like looks at him and is like well i'll have somebody clean that up i suppose yeah and just in this very like well again he's verbalizing the you know suspicion that randoms have been having this whole movie <laughs> right about old morris yeah so we're like uh okay no i mean clearly everybody like the gaydar in uh edwardian england appears to be very strong because like scudder that guy on the train yeah the maid simcox like everybody's yeah. like up oh, gay boom yeah. gay one of those <laughs> yeah we call them jelly babies <laughs> They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, consider it, Britain. They, jelly babies are already a thing, Tom. I know, but it's it's slang, Kelly. Words get repurposed. Mm, Faggots right. were already a thing once. <laughs> In Britain. Yeah. They still are. That's true. There's several things. Um, <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> well, you know, cigarettes. Anyway. At the cricket match. Which is attended by, <gasps> among other people, Helena Bonham Carter. Ah! Just out of nowhere. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, uncredited. Which was cool. Yeah, she was just like kind of being a bitch. Yeah. Well, she, because yeah. instead of captaining himself, Morris has given over captaining duties to Scudder. Right. Which is like unheard of or something. I guess. Because Simcox was really. Was planned, but I yeah, don't know. No, Simcox was pissed because, like, he was like, oh, they always do better if a gentleman is captaining. Right, right. And he was like, but I suck at cricket. Yeah. Anyway, so like they're playing cricket. And but things... it was like, you know, Branson thought he sucked at cricket and then he caught that ball. That's and true. the aristocracy was saved. Yeah, like... and like they had that super like cricket linens moment. You right. You know, or cricket flannels. I forget what he called them. Simcox I, called I think, them something. I think flannels, but yeah. Anyway, everybody seems to be having a great time. Yeah. Uh, up until old, uh, Hugh Grant shows up. Right. And then he gets into the game and, like, deliberately gets Morris out. Right. And it's Is very we- weird. Like, well, yeah, he's well, just like a dick, and it's not. It's also not helped by the fact that I don't think we understand the rules of cricket. Right. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, because what happened there was he had 
hit the ball and they ran once and he claimed he, because you can go back and forth as many times as you want and you score a point for each time but he like faked Morris into trying to run to the other wicket again and then I was like oh no sorry it's coming and then the ball was there and it was, wicket yeah <laughs> right that's the name of an Ewok yeah <laughs> yes it is Kelly my favorite Ewok <laughs> I think it's everybody's favorite Ewok. Mm, maybe not. I really like that one baby Ewok. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, when C-3PO is telling the story of Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. Yeah. And it's with its mommy, and it gets so afraid and sad. Yeah. And it turns its face into his mommy. Yeah. Anyway, this has been a really embarrassing description of my favorite Ewok. No, that's that's actually a good call on your favorite Ewok there. Yeah, that yeah. baby Ewok? Yeah, definitely. Oh my god. If we ever have a baby, I can go as that Ewok mom and make the baby be the Ewok baby. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If we ever have a baby, there better be a lot of Halloweens while that baby is a baby. I know. Because we have a lot of baby costume ideas. Right? Yeah. I wish it would be like Groundhog Day for Halloween. <laughs> for like a couple weeks. Then we'd be yeah, out Yeah, for a couple weeks, yeah. then we'd be done. You know, we could do the, the baby velociraptor mm-hmm. and I could be Beady Wong. Yeah. Uh... Um, we've got a we've yeah, got, we got a ton lined up. Yeah, trust us. Yeah, Yoshi, we could make it be Yoshi one year. Oh, <laughs> oh my man. god, so many great. Do you have a costume <laughs> idea for our as yet unconceived, <laughs> unborn child? If so, we want to hear your story. Yes. Oh, we could go as uh, Lady Mary and Dead Matthew and Baby George. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, <laughs> pretty solid. This is a great plan. Yeah. And I, oh, and then the next year I could be Dead Sybil, and oh, you yeah. could be Branson, yeah. and it could be a Baby Sibby. <laughs> be a monkey. <laughs> Back to Morris. Yes. No, coincidentally, the next note I have written is, off to a steampunk ball, which I don't know what it was, but it was some people dressed up at Duardian Lee, so I Was didn't... there a steampunk? Oh, no, goggles. Uh, oh, God. Hugh Grant was wearing those go- driving goggles. He sure was. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like a steampunk version of uh, Toad of Toad Hall. It was. <laughs> yeah. An extremely handsome Toad of Toad Hall. Yeah. No, it's cool, though, because we see some, like, we see some super old cars. Like, you know, these are, like, the very mm-hmm. first, like, there's a three-wheeled car yeah. at one point. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, because as soon as he's come back for the cricket match, he has to, like, you know, jaunt off again. Right, right. Uh, Scudder invites Morris to uh, meet him at the boathouse. By letter. Right, by letter. It's The, the timeline here was kind of unclear because it yeah. was like, did he give him that note while he was still at the estate? But I think it was while he was still, when he was back in England or mm-hmm. something, which is weird because it's like it's hard to get there or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Scudder wanted some more of that sweet, sweet Morris. Right. And Morris got very British about things. <laughs> yeah. He's like, listen, I need to go see my hypnotist. And he did. And he did. And the hypnotist was like, hey, you still gay? And he's like, oh, you know that day when I came here and you hypnotized me? Well, that night I was the gayest I've ever been. <laughs> right. Is it gay to have sex with a man? <laughs> Because if so, yes. That's basically all there is to it. <laughs> right. Uh, so Ben Kingsley like is like, yeah, uh, you are not going to be, I'm not going, you know, you can't be cured. And I recommend that you move to a country like France or Italy where they still follow the Napoleonic Code, which says that it's not the government's business who you do or do not have sex with. Mm-hmm. 
And he says that the English have always been.、Uh, what does he say? England has always been disinclined to accept human nature. Are you English? <laughs> have you been disinclined to accept human nature? If so, we want to hear your story. Yes, but it's but true. Is, but、yeah. I think it's also sort of the legacy in America as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we were, you know, se-、uh, you know settled. If we had been a little more French, <laughs> we might not have killed all those witches. Yeah. No. The, the 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 sort of intellectual foundation of America was laid down by you know Puritans.、Mm-hmm. So who were the worst people in? England. They were so bad. England kicked them out. Yeah, they were like, "Listen, stop telling everybody what to do. You're not in charge." And they were like, "Hell, we're fucking in charge." <laughs> Tell that to God, <laughs> right? And God was like, "I'm staying out of this." <laughs> yeah, this seems messy. You、I'm、people not... are cray, right? There's a scene I didn't write anything for. We learned that the stockbroking firm that Morris Hall works for is called Hull and Hall. Come on, people. Find stockbrokers to work with that don't have almost the same name as you. Maybe look, he was gay. <laughs> he had to take what was available to him. It's true. Maybe it's just a clever thing where any like if one of them screws up an investment, they can always blame it on the other one. <laughs> no, you mean whole? No, I'm whole. <laughs> right. It's like you want whole. It's the who's on first of Edwardian <laughs> stockbroking. <laughs> uh, but in any case, Scudder.、Uh, We did miss all the scenes where Anne decided that she really liked Morris. Okay, she decided she was very fond of him. Th- that's fair. It has no impact on the story. <laughs> Whatever. That's why we missed it. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, but Scudder shows up <gasps> at Hall and Hall, looking pretty spiffing. Yeah,、uh, no, he's all not spiffing enough. <laughs> right. Make that clear. Right. This is the city. He's dressed up in his working class finest. Yes. Uh, well, because he's moving to Argentina, right? Which we did not mention, aka the Argentine. Yes, and yeah, he he comes up to Morris and is like, "Hey, why not?、Uh, let's be gay sometime." And Morris is like, "Ixnay on the a gay." Well, and they have this whole conversation in like, the lobby in of the, the lobby. bank. Well, and and he like pulls him aside, except just to a different part of the lobby. I'm like, well, and he's like going to be with clients, and he's like,、right. "I have to go talk to this gay kid." Uh, it'll just be a minute. No, I was like, "Don't you have an office?" Right. Like, where's your your ticker tape reading room? Take him up there. Yeah. Make him read some ticker tape. Yeah, you would think, but no, because Morris is like, "Hey, I waited up at that boathouse for like nights." No, Scudder says Or, that. Yeah, that's what I meant.、Yeah. Well, and because he calls him Scudder, and he's like, "You said for me to call you Morris, you got to call me Alec," and he's like, "This is so embarrassing." It's like this isn't a gay thing; it's a class thing. You <laughs> filthy peasant. <laughs> But so they do eventually take their、uh, gay tiff to a somewhat more private location, which is the British Museum. Yes, and they hang out and buy some sculptures and talk about things. And who should happen to be there but Beardy McWeirdo? Yeah, who recognizes Morris, which is pretty impressive, as、yeah. he doesn't really look. I mean, you know, most I I can't imagine recognizing Listen, most adults. When you tell a gay eleven-year-old. <laughs> That you want to meet up with them when their future wife in ten years. You make you keep an eye on things, but he's like he was like, hey, listen, next Tuesday is the dinner we had planned. You have a wife yet? <laughs> It's on my calendar. No, but he's like, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm I'm not Morris. I'm a、uh, I'm 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 Scudder. Alex Scudder. And Alex Scudder is like, no, I'm Alex Scudder. And the bearded guy is like, what? And then his wife is like, bitch. 
We need to go. Stop talking to these lunatics. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> but the, the, the end result of this is that Morris and Scudder, or Scudder and Scudder, I guess, uh, they go off and uh, they shack or up. Scudder and Scudder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they, they find a room uh, where this sort of thing can happen, and uh, that sort of thing happens. <laughs> um, uh, and here we get some more solid full frontal nudity. This is the best nudity in the whole film. We yeah. should have looked at the timestamp. We should have. Uh, to it's help toward you all the out. end. Yeah, pretty near the end. You know, once Rupert Graves shows up, you're close. <laughs> right. The second time. The second. No, Simon. The second Simon Cowell. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a better. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, super hot. Right. But then, like, they have this whole conversation where, like. Well, because Scudder's like, all right, peace out. I'm going to the Argentine. And then Morris, who's been really, like, obstinately against this the whole time, right. is like, no, 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 stay with me. Like, for abs. Like, we'll braid each other's hair and stuff. I know. It's like one date and he wants to get married. It's- no. He falls in love, like, super quick. Yeah. Uh, like weirdly quick. And I was like, listen, you know, this is like the hookup culture. Right. No, you're like, look, the afterglow is great. Yeah. But a few months later, you're going to be like, uh, okay, we've had sex a bunch now. What What was the other thing I liked about you? Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we get to look at Rupert Graves' butt and penis. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And then yep. he puts his clothes back on. He is leaving the room, but then he stops and he says, you paid for this in advance, right? Because uh, yeah. they'll try to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll try to ask him for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And- anyway, so he goes off. <sighs> And then the next day. Right. Oh my god. Okay. So there's a ship. It's a set and sail for the Argentine. And Morris. I have never been so mortified for a movie character in my life. This idiot (laughs) goes down to the docks with this package. Right. And he's looking for uh, Alex Scudder. Yeah. Because I guess you can just go... Were they on the boat? They were on the boat, yeah. So he's on the boat. You can just go on the boat. Oh, sure. They just trust you. (laughs) Yeah. um, To not stay on the boat. It's like, look, if you don't have a ticket, you're fucking working your way across the ocean then. They don't care. Yeah, that's true. They're always looking for more, you know, idiots to help with the sails. (laughs) Well, and an idiot he is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because then it's it's... The whole Scudder family is there, except for Alec. And then the pastor yeah. from uh, Pendersley is there as well. And he had been having this whole conversation with Judy Parfit about how uh, Scudder had never been confirmed in the Anglican Church. Uh, He's gone to the docks to encourage... <laughs> Right. He to has, encourage his working class man's family to uh, put him in touch with an Anglican priest that he knows in the Argentine right. who will gladly confirm Alex Scudder. Yeah. No questions asked. <laughs> Free of charge. Yeah. I mean, I would think so. There are not many Anglicans the there. The Scudder family not appreciating any of this. <laughs> no, none of it. This is just like, oh, a bunch of strange men coming to hassle our son for some reason. I told you he was gay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, super, super, super uncomfortable. And then uh, the boat people are like, this boat's leaving. <laughs> right. Either stay on the boat or don't. Right. Uh, apparently, that's entirely up to you. <laughs> so uh, both Morris and this priest get off the boat. Yeah. And uh, Morris goes home? Where did he go to? Uh, I 
I he well he ends up going to Pendersley. Right. But what the other thing that struck me about this so the scudders are just like, well, sun didn't come. Well, off to the Argentine for us. It did strike me that Alex Scudder was a bit of a ne'er-do-well. I guess so, but like, wow. Look, man, they had business prospects. I guess so. His brother bought him the ticket. He was pissed. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. He was mad that he didn't yeah, show up. But that's true. He was a uh, he was a like grocer or something. He yeah. sold viands, viands, viands. I think it's viands. Anyway, um, yeah. So Morris goes to Pendersley. And it's like nighttime. And right. He just shows up there and he's, Hugh Grant sees him and he comes out and he's like, Oh, come on in, you know, stay the night, blah, blah, blah. And Morris is like, uh, I can talk to you, Broseph. <laughs> and Hugh Grant's like, Okay, great. Talk to my mustache. <laughs> and he's like, Uh, I'm in love with Alex Scudder. And he's like, What the shit are you telling me that for? Right. And he's just like, oh, I just wanted you to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just thought you'd be interested. Yeah. I'm gay. Yeah. Still gay. You're not, apparently. Right. But I'm gay. Hey, remember when you used to be gay? <laughs> Those were times. Well, but he does say that I shared with him. Right. Which I guess is how you say fuck well, in Edwardian England. This is good way Although they did say fuck in this movie. You're right. A couple times. They it did. It wasn't in like the, as like the vernacular for sex. But like, right. As the a, word fuck was used as sort of like an expletive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. So he's like, yeah, I'm in love with Alex Scudder. Uh, maybe I'll never see him again. But I just wanted you to know right uh so he walks away yeah you grant, like, uh, grant all right in his defense looks very confused <laughs> yeah it's like all right that was weird you weirdo yeah so uh morris goes on down to the boathouse right. who should he find but alex scudder yeah and scudder's like uh you know you you came no and- he yeah because alex apparently wrote him this letter that was like i'm not going you know come to the boathouse right and uh morris uh, helpfully allows him to believe <laughs> that that is why he is there. It's like, oh yeah, that letter. Great letter. Well, and this is really cute, and I didn't really mm-hmm. hear it, like, when we were watching it, but I, like, in all of, like, the stuff that I was uh-huh. reading about it, but he says, and now we shan't never be parted. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, super cute. It was super cute, and, and, I Even wish... though I hated Morris, like, the whole time. Right. Well, it's just. But you like Alex Scudder yeah, so much? Alex, I just wish that their relationship had, had, I, I just, I, uh, you but know, come on, dude. What do you look? Have, what can no, no, you no, possibly I, hope for? I understand. It's 1913. I understand. You found that. another gay dude who's willing to share with you, right? Uh, and you don't want to like blackmail each other or hurt each other. No, I mean, look, I, I, I do appreciate that. It just, and you, it's not like straight people were getting married for good reasons. Well, that's that's very true, actually. Speaking of, <laughs> yeah, we get one final look at old. uh old Hugh Grant mm-hmm. with Anne. This is my theory, okay? Okay. So he's he's in the bedroom with her and they're getting ready for bed. He's putting down the uh the blinds or something like that, uh-huh, or closing yeah, the yeah. shutters. And he's looking very like wistful and gay. Right. And she's looking very weird. Mm-hmm. Like I can't quite describe how it is that she looks, but she just looks kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that they've never had sex. Yeah. Like, shouldn't she be pregnant by now? Yeah. Because when Pippa was getting married to Archie, the next time that right, we saw right. her, she was knocked up. Right. And then that baby came. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. You know, he's going into public life. Under- you know, I can understand that couple being like, oh, you know, public life, like, we don't want a kid yet. But right, like, right. As we know, methods of birth control were 
you know, considered shameful and they were also not super reliable at the time. Right, right. And, you know, he uh, is clearly not interested in, uh, you know, reaching climax. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, no, no, it's, it's it, one theory. Yeah. It's not necessarily true. And I guess maybe not that much time has passed. Between the wedding and that cricket match weekend, but it's been a it's been a couple oh, years, I think. Well, but it's been yeah, I guess it's been a. Well, no, because doesn't this whole last part take place in 1913? Maybe because he's like, okay, so he calls and he's like, hey, come to our wedding and also come visit us. That's true, and then it's and the then he goes match and it's the cricket and, match, yeah. which is slightly after the wedding. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess would say the only, there's yeah. definitely been some weeks between the cricket match and the British Museum. Yeah, yeah, but still, yeah, I just, I yeah. just got yeah. this extremely asexual vibe from the relationship between them. Like, mm-hmm. even like when you kind of see them talking, like I think they're both more or less happy, right? And you know, until Hugh Grant kind of sees like right this. Well, and I mean, you know, it may choosing. be, it may well be that that uh, Anna you know isn't interested in it if for no other reason that she would never have learned anything about it except that it was bad that's true you know i mean she's you know it's very probable that she's never had an orgasm oh we aren't even talking about orgasm why well, no but i'm just talking saying about you know pleasureless sex right but i'm just saying so you know given that you know she she might be like well this is uh, it could be a lot worse yeah that's true anyway so that's, that's a theory that i have there's yes. Really no way of proving it one way or the other. Right. Uh, cause you know, they wouldn't have gone into specifics. Right. In the book. Although you would think that if in the book it's specified that Pippa got married, mm-hmm. was pregnant and had a baby, given how sort of symbolic, you know, the mustache is. <laughs> yeah. And you know, just the mirror structure between. Right, right. Uh, Hugh Grant and Morris throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that Anne got married to this guy and like, is not even a ghost of a chance pregnant. Uh, right. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely food for thought. You know, I mean, and in, in, in the character of Clive Durham is so much less important by that point. You know, I right. mean, he's just sort of this, like, link to the past or whatever. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. that's Morris, everybody. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think, you know, we didn't have a ton of, like, hilarious jokes about it just well, because we liked it. That's what always happens when we like something. Yeah. So we're like sorry <laughs> that we liked it. But but really, do yourself a favor and watch it because yeah. it looks beautiful. The performances are great. Yeah. And just we just really got drawn into the story, mm-hmm. like, both of us. It was really compelling. It's just, you know, very, uh, very sensual mm-hmm. if you're into that, you mm-hmm. know, regardless of your orientation. Yeah. Uh, I think that you'll, you'll see it because, like, there's no judgment from the camera about the homosexuality. Right, right. And, I mean, this was made in 1987, mm-hmm. which is almost 20 years ago now. Is it it's, over 20 years? Yeah. Listen, I'm bad at math. <laughs> so it's 26 years. Okay. Yeah. That's significantly more. Right. Yeah, but so, I mean, you, you know, know, we're talking a quarter century, and look what a difference there is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Reagan and Thatcher were both in office mm-hmm. at the time. Like, yeah, after Reagan's parents survived the Titanic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we definitely wholeheartedly recommend this movie. Yeah. We absolutely loved it. Uh, it is not on Netflix Instant. Right. Which is kind of annoying. So, you know, do what you judgment. will. Right. <laughs> um, there is, I think they just uh, not too long ago did a uh, reissue mm. with like commentary and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you want to get into the whole, the whole Morris experience, right. you can check that out. 
Uh, all right, and we have posted our schedule. Yes. Basically through the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook. It's uh, pretty. Exciting. We're we're planned out well in advance for yeah, the first for, time in a while. Yeah. So you know, sorry about all the the hemming <laughs> and the hauling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, things have been kind of crazy, but a things bit. things should be at least you know we should be able to get this schedule taken care of. But it's uh, yeah we're gonna be doing Titanic: The Legend Goes On mm-hmm. is the next episode. We'll then be covering Parade's End with Benedict Cumberbatch, with a lot of you have asked us about. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Miranda Richardson's in it, Rufus Sewell, just a who's who yeah. of awesome British people that we mm-hmm. love. Uh, and then our uh, our end-of-year sort of holiday special will be an episode of Doctor Who. Yes. It'll be The Unicorn and the Wasp, which is the season four episode with Agatha Christie. Yeah. And by the time we get through all of that, guess what? It'll be time for the U.S. premiere of Downton Abbey. Oh, my God. I really hope Laura Linney's back this year. Uh, we can only hope. I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we'll be back uh, with you next week. And until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs luncheon out. <laughs>